far. Um, right, thank you. This is, this is basically, it's headed up in my Bible, John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. And of course, remember, John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, John the Apostle is putting this, he's writing his book in order, he says, um, to convey and to convince people that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Divine Son of Almighty God. And so, as we go through this, it's a, it's a very, very different um, gospel to the other three gospels that have preceded it, which are much more, a sort of, um, a more comprehensive um, unveiling and recording of the record of Jesus' life. But here, John has selected specific miracles that he called signs and set them in order here, in order to show the divinity of Jesus. Things Jesus said, things he did, things that were accomplished. And the, the pace of it seems in many ways to be increasing here because he encapsulates Jesus' life, if you like, in just 12 chapters. And really from chapter 12 onwards to the last chapter of the book, chapter 21, um, from chapter 12 onwards, it's all about the events of the crucifixion and of the resurrection. So this is amazing here. So Jesus comes into this story here in John's record in this section just after the encounter with Nicodemus, one of the leaders of the, of the Jews and of the synagogue, who sought him out by night in order to share the things that are on his heart and hopefully answer questions. And Jesus goes right to the centre of his heart. He doesn't really answer his question, but he just goes right to the hunger that's in him, this hunger to know God and, uh, and to come into a living relationship. And he says straight away, he says in John 3, 3, he says, um, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, straight out. That wasn't what Nicodemus asked, but it was the answer to his need that Jesus gave him. And you know, it says elsewhere in the Bible that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. And so every one of us has a part of us, our spirit being, because we're spirit, soul and body. And body is obvious, soul is our mind, our will and our emotions and spirit is that part of us that is to communicate with God and when it's not communicating with God or can't it's because it's dead and Jesus wants to bring that part of us alive you see people are dead towards God, we have no interest in God no interest in hearing the word of God, no interest in praising the Lord um, and worshipping him no interest in knowing about him. It's because they're dead towards God. But when God comes and they are born again, or born from above, where God is above, where Jesus came from above, when they're born from above, from that other realm, that realm of the Spirit, when Jesus quickens us and we're born again, then hunger begins to flare up. 
a hunger to know God, a hunger to read. We can't get enough of it. We can't get enough of him because we're hungering and thirsting after him. He's our food. He's our drink. He's our life. Yeah. Hallelujah. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Do you have it this morning? Yeah. If you have it, you know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I lived without life for a number of years. I had an existence. There were lots of interesting things going on in my life. But I didn't have the life that God gives. Hallelujah. That's what he wants. And yes, living from above. So then Jesus goes on to explain that he has come not to condemn people, but to save people. He says, the Father hasn't sent me to condemn the world, but he sent me to save the world. And we have to receive that. And, and if we don't, we remain dead to God. And the result, if we come to the end of this life when our physical body dies and our spirit is already dead and has been dead all our lives with no communication with the Father, no love for him, no hunger for him, then there is the judgment and the inevitable results. And we move off into a Christless, lost eternity, that darkness. It's all here. These are serious things. What I'm talking about here and what I'm wanting to share as we look at this is the fact that Jesus has come to give us a life that is a life that is from above that we might live in that realm. And Jesus showed us what that realm was like in his life and the way he lived. It says in the book of Hebrews that God has spoken, it says, to us in past times through prophets and words and different ways. He said, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who is the exact image of his nature and the outshining or the radiance of his person. So God has spoken to us. May everyone in this room here become alive to God. Know that they are alive to God as they receive Jesus. That's the most important thing in your life that can ever happen to you. We find here, of course, Let's just go straight to verse 22. I'll read this. After this, this, this encounter with Nicodemus, this man who hungered to know, he'd been impacted by watching Jesus, knew that there was more to him and wanted answers. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John was also baptised in Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptised. So it's an interesting thing as we look at this just right now. Here is that Jesus came and he was baptising. When John the Baptist came and he baptised, it wasn't in a sense 
the end of baptism Jesus continued it and the most amazing thing is if you never really thought perhaps you never thought of this before but they were both baptized although a distance about five miles from each other they were baptizing people in the same river and for about six months they went on where John was up there at Aeon and Jesus was further down five miles down but both of them were baptizing people and of course you need plenty of it. It says there was plenty of water, Wedger. You need plenty of water if you're going to baptize the biblical way. And baptism speaks to us just very briefly, of course. When we go down into the water, it's a sign, it's an outward sign of an inward change, a dramatic change whereby we die to religion. We die to try to work our way to heaven. We try die to trying to earn our salvation and earn acceptance with God. We die to all those rules and rituals and everything else. And we come up, which signifies resurrection, to receive the gift of life that Jesus has given us and to live with him and for him. Praise the Lord. This is so powerful. If you've never ever, there's something more than just water that goes on. There, in there, there is a transformation, there is an impact to our spirit. There's a life that's given, there's a freedom that's released as we rise united with Jesus to live a new life with him. And there's plenty of water around because if you want the real Bible blessing, you need to go the Bible way. You can't just sort it out yourself and decide you'll have a little touch here or a little, or a little whatever, a little ritual here, whatever. Jesus says, bury it all, bury the past, bury all the trying, bury all the condemnation, bury all the confusion, bury all the darkness, bury everything, bury the past, your past life and rise up to a new life because I've come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. This is awesome. And people, of course, John's disciples were concerned about this because Folk were beginning to drift down river, as it were, and wanted to be baptised by Jesus' disciples. Jesus wasn't himself baptising, but his disciples were. And, and they were concerned about this. And, um, you know, they came to John, they said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. In other words, you're losing your congregation. <laughs> you know, they're all going to Jesus. To this, John replied, and don't you love this? A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but have sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. What a statement. That the bride belongs. Paige is sitting in front of me here, and she knows my heart. When I say this church isn't Jonathan and Paige's church. The church is the bride of Christ. It says elsewhere in the scripture, we are married to another that we might bear fruit for God. This is Jesus' church. Hallelujah. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. And you know, whoever comes here 
and becomes a part of this is a gift from the Lord. However, it's God who grows churches. It's God who puts people together. It's God who puts one living stone against another living stone. We belong to God. I believe he's going to increase this place in an amazing way. I think it'll start to happen even suddenly. We see a sudden increase of whatever is God begins to move even more than what he's doing now. He's just warming us up in a minute, drawing us, making us hungry, causing us to pray because it's God who saves me. It's God who adds people to churches. The Lord added to the congregation such as were being saved. It was the Lord who added them. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be where God's added me. Uh, Aren't you too? Yes, God is in this place. He's at work. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. And you know, we often have lots of questions about ourselves and what we're doing and what we're about, whatever. Wasn't it a wonderful thing that John says, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven? Elsewhere, it said, Paul says, when he writes to the church at Ephesus, he says, God knew you before the beginning of time and he prepared good works before you were even born. Good works for you to walk in. And if you've got a heart for the Lord, if you want to please him, if you want to love him and walk in his ways, do you know you have a path worked, set out before you and you will find yourself walking into the things that he has prepared for you. You say, isn't that amazing? How did that happen? Or how did we come to meet this one or that one? You're walking in the good works that God has prepared beforehand. You know, if you just love God for all your heart and you say, as I've often prayed in years gone by and still prayed even today, is Lord, please make it so that I don't miss anything of the good works you prepared for me to walk in because I want to be pleasing to him and if you have that desire for Jesus you don't have to worry just carry on walking and loving Jesus because he's your shepherd he'll lead you he'll guide you hallelujah he'll anoint your head with joy goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life there's a purpose and a plan for each and every one here isn't that so awesome? I was telling the kids that alive just the other night on Friday that uh, I've had the pleasure and the privilege of going three times visiting the um, at Space Centre at Cape Canaveral. And if I get another chance to go there, I'd, I'd do it again like a shot because it is so fascinating and so amazing. And you just can't take it all in. But in their IMAX cinema there where, you know, they they show the films that were shot, footage shot by the astronauts out the back of the spacecraft, and you see the beauty the Earth hanging like a globe in space in all its incredible beauty shining in the sun as the sun's shining and you know you can't see a person you can see the earth and the countries and the vast seas and everything but you can't see a person there because we're really 
seeing the universe and looking at the world, we're just like tiny little pinhead dots on the face of the earth. And yet God knows. Even the very hairs of our head are numbered. He knows you intimately. And the most amazing thing is he says to each and every one of us, the plans I have for you are for good and not for evil. They're to give you a future and a hope. He knows each and every one of you. And not even a sparrow falls to the ground without our Heavenly Father knows. How awesome is our God. He loves you. He loves you. Each one of you. Personally, individually, intimately. He loves you. And if I get one message across today, receive this. God loves you. And the Lord Jesus said that God so loved the world. You can put your name, take out the world, the word world and put your name there. He so loves you. Michael, John, Susan, Oh, Paige, Catherine, Joanne, all of you, Russell, yes, he loves you so much that he sent his only son that if you believe in him you won't perish but you will have everlasting life. Do you know the word perish is interesting, it doesn't mean you won't exist. It means, because it's like a bicycle tyre, when it perishes, it doesn't no longer exist. It simply is useless for the purpose for which it was intended. And you know, God doesn't want you to live a useless, misguided life. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And he has sent Jesus to fill you with his life and his spirit so that you will have and know the leading, the guidance, the wisdom, the companionship, the strength of the God himself, God the Holy Spirit in your life, leading you and guiding you all your days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But John cries out, I never tire of saying, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. And Paul, uh, John the Baptist goes on to say here, see, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. When you have this life on the inside, that is God's gift to you. And in that life, it's like a DNA. It's like... It's like your genes from God. God implants implants in you God-given genes. And in that gene is is all all that you are going to become. How you're going to develop. The things that are going to happen. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Hallelujah. And so, so don't look. The big thing about this, don't look of what other people are doing. Unless it encourages you. I thought this morning, as I've listened to things said here this morning, the things done, how wonderful it is to be in a worshipping, loving congregation where we're all, we can be so encouraged by one another. I've been so encouraged here this morning. Praise the Lord. And so we each are here. When you turn up on a Sunday, I'm encouraged. I love to see you. 
hope you like to see me. But we're, but we're here to encourage one another. And that's what he says. But when, when it's, right, it's written in the scripture, don't give up meeting together, but meet together so we might encourage one another and build one another up. That's what it's all about. Is to please the Lord. So John goes on to say, my whole purpose is to serve the Lord. I'm like his best man. Although he was too humble to say that. But he just called himself the friend of the bridegroom. But he says, that joy is mine. And it's now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Brothers and sisters, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus, him becoming greater and greater in our lives. So that when people see us, they see Jesus in us. Because we're carrying him and his life. This is awesome. He says, the one who comes from above is above all. I know that time that clock's going, somebody changed it. It, it, it had stopped before I got it, and now somebody started it. So again, now it's racing me again. So the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. I want to say, where have you come from? Now, it's pointless for me to tell you I come from Selsden, South Croydon. That doesn't mean anything. But something happened to me some years ago when I was still a teenager in my upper teen, where I suddenly found I'd come from above. I've been born from above. The life in me is from above. And brothers and sisters, this relationship with the one who is above, the one who is above all, he says, the one who comes from heaven is above all. And this relationship we have, and if I get nothing else across this morning, I want to tell you this morning that you have to guard and covet and nurture and value that relationship with the one who is above all and who loves me. Because Jesus, it says of Jesus, he rose again, he was the firstborn from the dead, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, brothers and sisters. Because he wants us to live and walk like he did. We've got his DNA in us. We've got his life in us. We used to sing a fabulous, I've got the life of God in me. I've got the life of God in me. I've got his life, his nature and his ability. I've got the life of God in me. And it goes on and on and on. I've got the joy of God in me. I've got the peace of God in me. I've got Jesus in me and so have you. And we need to cultivate this relationship because we, he's, he's just like, um, he's just like uh, Roy said about whatever, whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on, he wants you to walk in that place where you're walking with the one who is from above. That's why Paul cries out in his letter, he says, Set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above. Because as you set your heart and mind on things above and live from above, you will find yourself seeing things in a whole different way. You will find yourself seeing what God's doing. You'll find yourself hearing God speaking to you. Jesus, you're speaking to you. Jesus 
Jesus nurtured that relationship so close that he said, I don't do anything apart from what I see my father doing. They are profound words. I don't say anything apart from what I hear my father saying. He modelled that walk for you and for me. And you know how we can develop that walk? It's not only through reading the word, memorising the word like Ruth did and showed us so beautifully and powerfully this morning. But it's also by developing that love relationship with the Father. The, Paul writes and he says, we, we've died to the law, all that doing and trying, the white knuckle club trying to make it. We've died to the law that we might be married to another, that we might bear fruit for God. And marriage is meant to be a love thing. And you know, you're meant to develop love for one another so that it grows and grows so you become in a way that you you just know I know how Jill's going to react I know how she's going to feel I know what she's feeling I've lived all these years with her that relationship developed to that point I don't go to bed at night without telling her that I love her and, and I'm glad she says the same to me and um, but which always amazes me but nevertheless it's another thing but anyway, the fact is, what a wonderful thing to say to the Lord as you wake in the Lord, I love you. I find myself saying that more and more these days. Lord, I really love you. Because God is love. We haven't been born to follow a book of rules. We've been born to walk in a love relationship with a God who is love. You know, we would love to have more faith, wouldn't we? We think, oh, if only I had more faith, I could raise the dead, I could heal this one, I could give sight, I could do that. Do you know faith works? through love the more we love God the more that the faith of God is going to flow through us with signs and wonders and miracles and that's what Jesus prayed for us when he prays in John 17 for his disciples and he prays Father may they be in us as I am in you may they be in us and we in them you know it goes on that close and what does that mean it means may they be in love God is love walk in love love God and in that atmosphere as you become the garden of love that the Lord loves to walk in you will find the miracles will start to flow from your life because God is love and faith works through love and if we've only got faith it's not worth anything it's a tinkling bell oh look there's so much more to say on this but I want it I'm going to close now but I want you to know this that God I just want to also finish with these solemn words that John the Baptist who had no fear or favour who didn't carry fear of faith with anybody and he was faithful to say what needed to be said he said the father loves the son 
Here's that thing again. The relationship between the Father and the Son is a relationship of love. The Son loves the Father. The Father loves the Son. When His Spirit comes in us, it cries out. We find ourselves in that first flush of love. And so we find ourselves crying out, Abba, Father, which is so tender, such a tender word. Yes. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That is awesome. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Because, and for God's wrath remains on Him. There is such a thing as the wrath of God. That wrath of God primarily is against sin. But if it's only by receiving Jesus that we move out of sin and into the forgiveness and love and the mercy of God who gives us life. So we must receive the Son. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. I've made some things. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there's so much in you. You are so wonderful. Lord, you fill our lives every day. For you want to fill our lives every day with your love, your peace, your joy, your confidence. We thank you for the picture you give us, Lord, of the clouds and the sunshine, like in an aeroplane as we go up above the clouds and the rain. It's always shining above the clouds. That's where you are. and You want us to live in that realm that is from above. Father, I pray, cause, so it says in this word, which we haven't got to yet here, but it says the Father gives the Spirit without limit. Lord, would you release your Spirit without limit? Father, upon these precious people, that their hearts and their lives will come alive with the life that is the life of heaven. Oh, Father God, your miracle life, your joyous life, your peace-filled life, your powerful life, without limit, fullness, I proclaim it over this congregation. Lift up your hands to heaven right now. Put your hands in a receiving mode. Say, Father, I receive your life. I receive the life of Jesus. I bless you today with the life of Jesus. Be filled. Be filled up. Be full of Jesus and his life. Walk in his love and love him. Because he is love incarnate. We bless you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Bless you. Well, if anything Michael has said to you this morning and has really touched your heart and you would like...